Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransinc.com for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. This podcast is also brought to you by AgDirect. No matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving Iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Sean Hackett. This edition of Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. If you're looking for a great way to know what tire sizes are, man, do I have do I have something for you? I'm excited about this. If you send a, uh, well, actually, if you just go to axontiretips.com, go down there, fill out a form, you'll get two, not one, but two, Sean resource mouse pads that could let you look at tire sizes and be like a 520 is a what in inches you know boom next thing you know bam you're back in the game so when next time you need some tire tips go to axontiretips.com fill out the source or fill out the form and you get yourself two sean two count them mouse pads one for each office okay boom all right or if you're ambidextrous you can have one on each side of your computer that way you can you can use your right and left at the same time look at that all right Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. This segment of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by TractorZoom. Uh, with access to over $20 billion worth of heavy equipment, sales data, the TractorZoom Iron Comps is in the industry's trusted solution for transparent heavy equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. So checking out a good place to go see what your stuff's worth, man. Try your go. Go to TractorZoom Iron Comps. Get that figured out. So Sean is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida. He's nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. So Sean, how you doing this morning? I'm doing really good, Casey. Enjoying the day so far. That's good, considering that it's what's well, eight thirty there. So, you well, I, guess, well, I guess you've been up for like eight hours. So yeah, yeah I've already my half my day's already gone already. So. <laughs> yeah, Sean Sean gets up early so he can catch the Chinese news, the Chinese news reports. So. Uh, I always the first thing I go to is the Bangladesh news. That's really uh, you know the first thing I go to. So I got got to be up for that. So. Got to be ready. It's hot off the press. Hot, hot off the off, press. Hot off the rice paddy. <laughs> there so. you go. There you go. All right, recession talk is something that just can't seem to go away. It looks like they're contributing a lot of stuff to some overnight liquidation because of fears of recession and what that might look like. Shoring up some, I guess, short positions, I guess, probably what you're seeing out there and, and looking at some longs and those kind of things that are getting short up as well. So 
a lot of that stuff's going on. We're also heading towards the end of the month too, so that that has something to play there as well. But I guess Sean, as you're looking at the grain market and this recession talk out there, how much of this these movements that we're seeing? Because I mean, interday movements are huge, man. One day they're way down, and next day they're way up, and you might see end of the day they're only up by five, but it could have been a fifty cent swing in, in between each start to close. So I guess, what's your thoughts there? Look, when prices are high like they are. Um, the market's just looking for an excuse to sell. It's just, you know, so if it's recession talk, they're going to sell because prices are high. We're not dealing with $3 corn anymore. Right. And we're dealing with $7, $8 right. corn. So it doesn't take much to spook uh, people out of these markets. Uh, when you have $120 barrel oil, it doesn't take much to get people to want to sell because they kind of feel uncomfortable owning something that's already gone up so much. Right. Um, obviously, with the grains we have, you know, this is the time of the year we typically are under pressure. You know, I mean, we, we've been bearish grains now for quite some time. We, you know, talked about how a mid-late May top, especially for corn, was likely. And the, the actual top, I think, was right there in mid-May for the corn market. Um, so, so none of this is, is really new. The weather so far um, uh, has been okay. Uh, we had a little bit of a, of a, of a heat scare but now the models are getting a little cooler into the end of the month. And, you know, so, so th this is kind of, you know, what the markets, we have this big report out at the end of next week um, on the acreage and quality grain stocks. And so, so everyone is just sort of, you know, getting themselves into the, to a spot where they get a little more comfortable. So corrections in late June is actually commonplace for grains and having recession talk just takes, you know, just accelerates that selling just a little bit more. You know. Yep. All right. So talk recession here. I mean, one of the leading indicators that we see out there that that is a economic driver um, or an economic um, measuring stick, I guess, is what's happening with cotton. Cotton right now is still still hovering around that that dollar forty a pound area. It's down a little bit today. You've seen some pressure here and there, but I mean, really, the the response that we're seeing from that obviously is uh, it's down. You know. 18 cents from its high back at the beginning of May. But as you look um, and kind of go through the the cycle of cotton right now, obviously we're going to wait to see what happens with uh, with harvest because we do have a shortage of cotton out there. But I guess as you take a look at cotton, what are your thoughts there? Well, we've been talking about this for months now. I mean, demand for cotton is going to be down. Uh, we had a demand that was coming from China for, for stockpiling non-child labor cotton. But they've, but they've stockpiled it. They bought it. And now if the end user demand isn't there, they're going to have to work through it. And our price for the first time in a long while has started trading at a premium to the Chinese price, which is a, which is a perfect uh, setup for saying that they bought what they needed and are going to back off. We're getting rains in West Texas, um, you know, which we had, you know, which was one of the big concerns out there. So the prop size is starting to look bigger right now based upon that moisture coming in so you know with all of that you know and a dollar 20 uh a dollar 30 december cotton price is extremely attractive and high so this is what's going on there um and it makes sense that it should go on now obviously crops not been made still a lot for the growing season to still go we still have to get through the hurricane season so so you know i don't think grains or cotton, you know, this is the terminal decline, but it's the first shot across the bow, Casey, that supply and demand may, may be shifting towards more supply 
and less demand versus what we've been dealing with for almost two years now, which was too much demand and not enough supply. So we're getting the first shot across the bat. We're beginning to shift gears. And if our weather forecast is correct beyond a weather scare here in early July, that we're going to have good crops this year, you know, we, we, th these won't be the lows. We'll see lower prices later on in the, in the summer when the crop is made and the market has determined that crops are, are, are going to be, uh, you know, are going to be good. So, right. Okay. All right. So, so with all the, the turbulence that we're seeing over in the outside markets, you know, we get a lot of pressure, you know, Jerome Powell yesterday, uh, Fed chairman uh, was on Capitol Hill getting grilled by the Senate about asking dumb questions that they should know the answers to. But there, you would think um, all the pressure that you saw there, I mean, do you see a lot of spillover in out of the outside markets coming in and putting money into into the markets right now? Or is it just kind of no, it's so, so much uncertainty right now that it just no one knows to do with what? Well, when the Fed comes out and says, you know, we're going to raise rates until inflation comes down and we don't care if the economy goes into recession, which is essentially what he said. Yeah, I mean, if you, he did yeah, say if, that, yeah. If, if, you know, he might have said it nice, more, more nicely than that, but he, that's what he said. Right. Um, you know, that's, that's a scary, uh, we don't see the Fed say that very often, right? So to the extent that you have short-term hot money that, uh, you know, gets spooked by that, they come in and immediately want to sell. Um, having said that, if the goal is to raise rates until inflation comes down, well, prices are starting to come down. Lumber is down from 1600 to 500 something. Yeah. Copper is down from almost $5 to under 4 Crude oil is down from 120 to 100 So we're starting to see a lot of prices starting to fall. Well, you know, that may mean that we're getting near the end of what they need to do if that's the reason they're doing it. If they start to see inflation coming down, if we start to see, you know, better inflation numbers in the months ahead, then then, then that could be a bullish sign that they're, they've done what they needed to do. They've been aggressive enough and they may take a step back. Obviously, we're not quite there yet to see those big inflation numbers coming down. But I think within the next couple of months, we're going to get the first big number that's going to say inflation was way down from what it was the month before. And I think once that happens and people are getting comfortable that we're coming down the inflation mountain, a lot of this stagflation talk, this um, mm -hmm. never-ending inflation that, you know, that we're going to go in this deep recession, the Fed's going to have to raise rates forever, you might start to calm down and we might start to get a little more balance in the market. And remember, when everyone is worried about something, it's usually already in the market or most almost always mostly in the market. So the fact that everyone now is is scared to death about recession, which they should have been worried about six months ago, right. says we're yeah. probably near the end of the of the reaction to that in markets. And now what you need to do now is what is the talk six months from now? I think it's going to be saying much lower inflation than we thought, Fed on hold. That's probably a much more bullish scenario than we're currently trading now. And I think that's you know, that's where you have to start thinking about, you know, where might be there the opportunities to, you know, if you're a cash buyer of lumber, if you're a cash buyer of copper, mm -hmm. you know, some of these very economically sensitive commodities, you know, you should be looking for opportunities to buy physical product when there's blood in the streets and everyone is so fearful. That's when you get your opportunity to buy on a discount, buy something cheap, something that's come off a lot. So that's what I'd be thinking about right now, especially in those economically sensitive 
commodities like lumber, like copper, even like cotton, you know, if it were to come down considerably further, there's going to be an opportunity in some of these things uh, because the market rarely lets everybody get it right. It right. only lets a few people get it right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So I've read several articles here. You know, you got the U.S. out here urging countries that, you know, that need help with, with food and fertilizer imports out of, out of Russia and what that looks like. Um, you know, the U.S. is pleading with them, you know, if you need help with this, please do it because we didn't sanction these things, you know, those kind of things. You got Turkey investigating claims that Russia stole Ukrainian grain, which there's, I don't know what there's to investigate there. There's plenty of news reports and video and just hauling truckload after truckload after truckload of grain out of uh, Mariupol and area, those places in there. So, um, I guess as you, as you looked at, you talked about this earlier, you know, Russia doesn't want to look like the bad guy, but they're sure not trying very hard to to get to get like, to let grain come out of Ukraine. So I guess your thoughts on that? Um, <clears throat> you know, I uh, whatever the big pl- the, the grand plan is, um, uh, Russia's current image is not uh, a concern. So they they obviously have an idea of what they want to do. And I, you know, who knows? Maybe they, I think they have a, a, I think they have a strategy beyond Ukraine, and I'm, I'm not sure we're aware of what that strategy is yet. But there's something going on beyond Ukraine. Ukraine is the first move in the chess match to something bigger, whatever that bigger thing is. Um, and you know, China's involved. It's it's a complicated situation. But as I try to say t- to everyone, I try to predict what I can, and I try to manage the risk of what I can't. So I can't predict what Russia is going to do day to day. I can't predict what the news story is going to be day to day. For example, yesterday, right, there was a news story that uh, Russia bombed some another storage area yeah. facility or something. And then yeah. so the wheat market, well, it was up 30 or 40 on that news, you know, and then it, and then, then it ended the day down. Mm-hmm. I can't predict that. And, and, and so I just don't try. Um, the overriding theme, I, and, and I, you know, I hate to, be a broken record, but sometimes that's a good thing. I think at the end of the day, what I what I believe is going to drive the grain markets beyond sound bites and these short-term fluctuations, which can be severe, is the idea that we're going to have good crops in the U.S. and that Russia is about to harvest a record wheat crop, and they will sell their wheat. And how much wheat they sell that's not theirs, you know, I'm sure they'll do that too. But right. I don't see a shortage of wheat. I don't see a shortage of wheat, um, uh, at least in the next three months, when we're harvesting and they're harvesting a record crop, and they're going to be selling like crazy to China and others. I don't see any shortage in wheat for the next three months. Now, it doesn't mean there won't be a shortage six months from now. But you know, when we're dealing with markets pricing and, and the pricing of markets and what farmers should be doing and who should be selling and who should be buying, you know. Uh, right now, I you know I don't see any supply problem unless the U.S. were to get into trouble, and I don't see that outside of a weather scare, not a actual crop mm-hmm. problem. So I think that the onus is that we're heading down uh, on a downtrending market here in grains and in cotton into the harvest lows. Is there going to be some volatility upside? Yes, and I do believe we're, we could have a weather scare in the first half of July that would give us one of those upward volatility opportunities for farmers to get some sales made on a typical you know worry over the growing season but the big picture is you know i think we're going to find our way down into some kind of an early harvest low and then when we get there 
you know, then we have to take another look about what the long-term supply demand equation looks like. Um, but for now, you know, I, I think the trend is down and I think that's the, that's going to be the trend at least until we get uh, far enough into the end of the growing cycle to where the market prices it all in. So right on. Okay. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a weird, very weird scenario because there for a while, Russia was thinking like had the idea that, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get this grain out of Ukraine and let, let everybody do the thing. And that kind of, that lasted for about three days and then they went a different direction totally. So interesting story to watch to see how that develops moving forward because getting ships in and out of there. I don't know. I mean, it's just, that's a whole thing right now. So, well, ensuring the ships, who's going to captain it, who's going to ensure safe travel. Right. I, I, who's going to load the ships? Yeah. How are you going to ensure they're safe? I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> a lot of moving parts there. <laughs> a yeah. lot of moving parts and you need to have everyone cooperate. You know, what could go wrong? What could go wrong? I don't know. I, I I'm not sure. I'm not sure we're at the point where everyone's really ready to get along just quite yet. I don't think we're quite there yet. Yeah. Um, I hope we are, but I don't think so. Right on. All right. Let's talk a little bit on the proteins here for just a little bit. You got, uh, obviously this is a, a big, a big time of the year for, for barbecuing and those kind of things. So beef demand is going to be high. Pork demand is going to be high as you take a look what's going on there. And then you got the stuff that's happened in Kansas with these, uh, those cattle kills that they've seen come through. Um, a lot of heat stress on cows out there. So their the rate of gain is, is, uh, slowing down, I guess, as, as you look at that whole picture, Sean, what are your thoughts there? Well, we have a battle between recession, like right. you said at the beginning of your show, which never, never, makes people feel comfortable owning the meats because, you know, when you look at your budget, meats are tend to be a higher priced item uh, than, you know, buying, uh, you know, popcorn, for right. example. So, um, so that always brings some sellers into the pits at times. But at the same time, we do have that uh, visceral American tradition of going out in a nice warm sun and grilling a lot of meat. And even in a year where energy prices are high and maybe people aren't going to be, maybe driving as much as they did that means maybe they're going to even do more than that staying local and doing things mm -hmm. locally with that sort of thing so overall you know i i think um at least in the cattle business i think the supplies are going to be so low going forward that even with potentially weaker demand later in the year from a, a lower economy i think there's going to be plenty of demand to provide a shortage mm -hmm. um in the pork i'm not so sure we have to get exports because uh, we, we, we produce too much domestically. We don't have enough domestic demand like we do in beef to sop it all up. Um, we were selling a bunch to Mexico. That slowed down and the Chinese are not ready to buy yet. And so we, we kind of in this zone where, you know, demand domestically is good, but, it, but it need, you, know, you have to have those big exports. And I, and I just worry a little bit about the hog market struggling here uh, finding some of that export demand it needs to get rid of this excess supply, whereas the cattle business doesn't really need those exports. It's more additive. In fact, the exports for beef have been surprisingly strong, surprisingly yeah. strong. So I, I, I guess I'm kind of constructive, but I'm much more constructive on the cattle market. I'm going to be much more constructive on the hog market uh, in the fall going forward, because I think that's where China needs to come in and restock, because their hog prices is now rising. I believe the herd liquidation from the second round of ASF is over. And I think that as they 
slowly reopen, as I believe they will by the fall, they're going to need to buy some pork from the U.S. And I think that would be a more dynamic or interesting time to look for big purchases from trying to, to re-excite the hog market. In the meantime, it could be you know, kind of a big volatile trading range until we get there for hogs. Right on. Well, good stuff as usual, Sean. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what you're doing at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Lots of information in our weather cycles, our capital flow cycles to let people know what we do and see if we could be of service to your listeners. Right on. And uh, speaking of weather cycles, Sean and I are going to do a special podcast, kind of an update on on the weather cycles and, and natural climate changes that Sean's talked about quite extensively here on, on the podcast. It's been probably six months or so since we've really done one of those. And as we head through this, this you know, La Nina to El Nino, or sorry, other way around, El Nino to La Nina change and, and, and how that flows into um, th- this fall and what that looks like. This is this is one of those impactful moments uh, that you've talked about quite a bit moving into that September, October time frame. We're also going to talk a little, a little longer term because um, it's a pretty important event. We talked about this in our podcast yesterday that we sent out to our subscribers of something called the Gleisberg Cycle. Um don't want to spend a whole time going over exactly what that is other than there tends that, that it's an 85 to 90 year cycle that has historically been associated with one in 100 year uh, Midwest droughts. Uh, the, it came into uh, the last time it came in, that cycle came into play was 1934, 1935. Um, and now the next cycle is coming into 2024, 2025. So, so there's a, there's a pretty, interesting cycle that says we could be entering you know one of these rare uh, drought cycles that you see you know one shot out of 100 you get one of these really nasty ones and we'll go over what the cycle is why you know what's the basis behind it what the history is behind it and and why this period coming up for el nino that's going to be bearish for grains you know into next year could be um a tremendous opportunity for livestock producers to load up on cheap feed ahead of what could be a wild kind of a situation with weather. And so that and more, but I think, you know, those that have an interest in long-term weather patterns and what it may mean, you might find this discussion about the Gleisberg cycle, you know, pretty interesting. So. Right. I'm looking forward to that. So listen for that. Uh, We're going to record it tomorrow. You know, today is Thursday the 23rd. Hopefully you have it recorded on 24th, and I'll have it out this weekend for everyone to uh, to listen to. So, uh, Sean, one more time before folks can reach you at over there at Hackett Financial. Website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors with an S, um, dot com. Right on. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. You can also find those same podcasts on LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast and the video version of it on YouTube. So if you're interested in checking that out, go see that. If you want to see everything Moving Iron related, go to movingironllc.com and you'll get all the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast blog posts as well as all the information for the upcoming Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee, September 6th, 7th, and 8th. That's open to any dealer new used or otherwise doesn't matter if you want to come check that out network with people and learn you know talk about used equipment and sales processes and those kind of things all that exciting stuff out there if you're interested in doing that hit me up at moving iron podcast and moving iron podcast.com and i'll get you more information or you can just fill out the form there online and you'll get registered and you'll be uh, ready to go so looking forward to seeing everybody
coming up here in September. Uh, so with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. Oh, one more thing. I forgot about my buddy Alex. Alex is over in Ukraine right now, and he's uh, just talking to me this morning before I got on with Sean and going back and forth about what's going on. He was at a checkpoint, and he was about, uh, well, he said he was about 10 miles away from the uh, the, the front line there, and he's uh, getting stuff moved around, and he's he's so far everything's gone well for him. Uh, we're organizing the time to where he can give us an update on what he's seeing over there uh, on the podcast here. So interested in helping Alex. He's got a GoFundMe page set up. Go to GoFundMe.com. Uh, search Alex um, for Alex's page there. It's uh, Help Alex Move Humanitarian Aid. Or, I'm sorry, Help Alex Transport Humanitarian Aid from Poland to Ukraine. And uh, you know, help there. You can Whatever whatever you want to throw his way would be greatly appreciated. He's uh, over there cashed in his chips and he's going to go he's just out there helping his countrymen so um if you can help alex out that'd be great so with that i'm casey seymour sean hackett let's go smart folks out axon tire is going to have more tips tricks and client advice throughout the year and in september at the moving iron summit in nashville if you're looking to sign up for the event please head over to movingironllc.com we hope to see you there Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransitinc.com for all of your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving